Right, welcome in, welcome back, folks, to a Freeman heat check entering year two. I'm laughing as I'm saying it, but I gotta cover it. Addition to the always Irish show. As always, thank you for being here. You can find the program on YouTube. Do it, subscribe if you haven't yet. Appreciate that very much. Give the video a thumbs up, appreciate that as well. Notifications on that way you're alerted every time a new episode drops. I know you don't want to miss it. Twitter, search bar, always Irish rat. Always Irish Shake. Emails, always Irish and at gmail.com. Audio only anywhere you want me. You can locate me to Colin Lines. 312-988-15. Call and tell Johnny all you've heard and seen. And in case you missed it, I may as well announce this now because it's the deal moving forward from now on. We're going live and opening up the phone lines one minute after Notre Dame, every Notre Dame game this year. Right when the game ends, I'm going to put a tweet out. Everybody's on Twitter anyways, talking about what's going on. We're going live one minute after. I want, we're ripping those phone lines. Everybody let me know. Sad, glad, mad, whatever it is that we're all dealing with. We're going to live through it in the moment together. So know that. And as even in, in the summer, I want you to know that's the plan. We're going live right after every game. I want to know what you guys think. Okay. Fighting Irish Wire every day. Type it in the Google machine and information comes out about Notre Dame. A lot of it written by yours truly. I know some of you are still stunned to believe that I could write. I know. I get it. I, I had the reputation of being the yelly guy in the basement. I can write a little bit too. Go check it out. Also, don't forget to get your tickets for Sam at Hartman's first public autograph signing in Notre Dame Sunday, July 9th. At Forever Young Sports Cards, Crown Point, Indiana. The event is going to be sponsored by yours truly. We're going to have a great day. Please join us. There's going to be a lot going on past the 4th of July, that excitement building. So go to foreveryoungsportscards.com for further details and ticketing information. All right? Here's the deal. Let's get into the topic of the day. I don't feel right having this episode. I don't feel right writing an article that I wrote on Irish Wire. I don't know when it's going to go live about this topic. However, it is my job as a guy who does this every single day of the year to measure the pulse of Notre Dame fans and report on what they're talking about. And I got to say, I'm genuinely surprised the amount of Notre Dame people that have brought up to me or asked me or they think that there's already some level of heat on Marcus Freeman. And I think one of the issues I'm having is defining heat. Some people phrase that when they call in or put in the chat or whatever as hot seat. I That's wild to me but but a heat check means one thing like how are we feeling a hot seat is something totally different than that and other people will replace the word heat with like pressure those are all different things a heat check of like the pressure is different than a hot seat 
So I struggle with that definitionally. I think it was the Saturday, the last Saturday night uh, live show we did, the After Dark. A guy called in and said, hot seat. And we started talking about this. And then I started going off on the hot seat thing saying, how could it be before year two or even after year two? And then the guy said, well, I don't really mean hot seat. I mean more just like pressure from the fans. That's a totally different thing. In that instance, the the words you're using to kind of get this out change the way I'm going to look at it and answer it. But if you're just saying pressure, that's a lot different than hot seat. Hot seat means if you don't perform right now, you're probably fired or like look at like. So definitionally it matters. But I got to be honest, whatever we're going to go with here. I've heard way more people talk about a hot seat, a warm seat, some of this stuff more than I ever thought I would for a guy entering year two who's also still trying to dig out of a out of BK roster holes. But here we are. We're Notre Dame fans. We're wound a little tight. So here's how we're going to get into this. We're going to call it a heat check. I'm not calling it a hot seat because that's not on the table. Let's call it a heat check, whatever that means to you. And when we're going to have this discussion, I feel like there's really three different groups to look at and break down in terms of their level of heat they're putting on or feel towards Marcus Freeman and where we're at right now. Let's go over those three. Number three is going to make me mad. We'll get to them. Number one, the media especially nationally, I feel that most pundits said Marcus did a pretty decent job overall year one. Given all the bad luck, everybody understood your starting quarterback went down very early in the year and you're in a bad spot. All that went with that bad luck, that it is the last thing any first year ad coach wants is your starting quarterback goes down. It's the literally the worst way a guy starting his head coaching career could start it is what happened to my guy. And I feel bad for him, but those are the breaks. Those are the breaks. But overall, nationally, I don't remember seeing anybody being like, I see major red flags with what Marcus did. They won the bowl game against an SEC team that was hot coming into that game. Right? And so nationally, I felt most people felt he did a pretty good job. Not an A-plus job. You don't lose to Marshall and Stanford, and then you're in that territory maybe. But I didn't see anybody saying, oh, there's these big red flags. The guy has no clue out of command. None of that. I didn't see any of that. So overall, I felt like the reporting nationally was pretty good job in some difficult circumstances year one. Let's see what comes next. They were pretty understanding of the circumstances, I would say. Now, let's think about this. That makes perfect sense to me because the national college football media would not come with the emotional baggage somebody like I have or even a lot of the Notre Dame beat guys or people that have been following Notre Dame forever. We're emotionally tied to it. Nationally, these guys don't have a feeling for or against Notre Dame, most of them. So they have a pretty, like, a, a fair outlook on it. And they felt he did a pretty good job. Um, the local media, 
mostly positive, but more critical than the national guys in some ways. And I'm including myself in that. That makes absolute perfect sense. People like me or in this space, we're around it more. Beat writers to follow, t- you're around it more often. You see more. Your only focus is Notre Dame every single day. Not, not what's the biggest story across the country in college football. It's Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. You focus on the small things because you're only focused on Notre Dame. You don't have 50 teams you're worrying about covering. You have more information. You hear more. You nitpick. You find little things. And so with the local media, I include myself in that mostly positive, but finding some areas we want to see some improvement. And I think that's totally logical and makes sense. But still, maybe you guys have seen this. I haven't seen any local media, Notre Dame specific media that are throwing up huge red flags. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. I have not seen that from anybody in our niche in my space. Maybe you have, let me know, and I'll go look at the video or read the article and see how legit I think it is. But I don't remember seeing any of that. Um, But local media, a little more critical because we're around it more. You see more things you want to change. You know more about how Notre Dame works and how this all fits together. So with the media, there's not really heat. I I don't see it. It's cold. There's not really eat from the media. Pretty supportive of Marcus so far. Now let's move on to the fans. And when I ask this to the fans, it totally depends on who you ask, really. When I look at my chats, when I'm doing a live show or the Saturday night live show, After Dark, whatever, some people think he's doing it not a good enough job and, and whatever, and there should be all this heat. Other people are more patient. They understand this roster was in a bad spot when he inherited it. It takes time to rebuild it. All of that. All of that. So it really depends who you ask. Here's what I think. With the fans, with the Notre Dame diehard fan base, I think it's perfectly fair to expect more out of Freeman year two. It's totally fair. Why? It's not year one anymore. You don't have any of that year one leeway. I'm learning. You know, the guy's got all these things to figure out year one and being a head coach. You don't have that. You're gone. That's over. That honeymoon leeway year one learning thing, people aren't going to be that forgiving year two. That makes sense to me. Also, I say this every week on my program. Every minute we get further from Kelly, more pressure shifts to Marcus. And that is how it should be. Every recruiting cycle, that is all Freeman and no BK. The pressure ramps up. He is less encumbered by all that Kelly caused and left, whether it was good or bad. And it was bad in a lot of these roster areas, by the way. All right, so with that in mind, Yeah, it's fair to expect more of Marcus. He should learn and adapt and be better this year. Game day decisions, uh, just navigating things. He should be more confident and comfortable this year, year one to year two. And that makes perfect sense. You know, it makes me think you always hear about, you know, from week one to week two, a lot of teams take a big jump or whatever. Well, what about coaching from year one to year two? How much you learned? And you can adapt and shift from what you learned year one where you didn't really know all the ropes. 
I wonder what that expectation is fair to expect the jump and add coach from year one to year two, what you get. And it's very hard to measure other than wins and losses, but there's a lot that goes in that mix. But I don't know any other way to measure that, right? So I do think it's fair to expect more out of Freeman year two than year one, for sure. However, I am still going to question and push back on those that still insist that Freeman inherited a very strong roster from Kelly. I push back on that, and I always will, especially on offense last year. Even before the Buckner injury, we had major issues, and everybody knew it. Namely, who are you going to throw the ball to? All right? Like, so I'm still going to push back on people that are telling me this guy inherited a top five, top 10 roster and destroyed it, you know, whatever. I'm not down with that. I just don't see it that way at all. Even if Buckner was healthy, that, that team went into the year with major roster issues and no time to flip it. It's just, it's how I see it. So with the fans, I feel like that seat is a little warm. They do expect more out of year two than year one. What I'll give you a really good example. Don't have any Marshall and Stanford's this year. That's improvement. Don't lose to any teams. You clearly have more talent than. That would be a perfect mark indicator of year one to year two improvement right there. Figuring out whatever it was that caused those two no-shows. So this seat's definitely warm to the fan base. Uh, it's definitely hotter than it is with the national media. We are fans. Of course, we want to see improvement. We're more emotionally involved. We want to see improvement from Marcus individually, how he navigates head coaching and the team overall. But how warm is this seat? I don't know. It's as warm as the summer days, I guess, up and down. It's pretty cool here now. I don't know. Lukewarm. But how warm does it get when you're nine and three? How warm is it if you end up eight and four again? What if you're nine and three, but you lose all the three big ones? How's that going to go over? What if you're nine and three and you win two big ones, but then you drop dumb ones to end up at nine and three? Is Sam Hartman upright and healthy all year? Or is it last year all over again? All this stuff matters when you're going to be doing that week-to-week heat check with the fans. And that's essentially what I do every day. If you think about it, every stream I do four times a week is basically a new heat check. I'm, I'm seeing where we're all at. Feeling the vibes of the day. Feeling the vibes of the week. I get a taste of all that. And I'm getting pretty good at picking up the general themes of where most of us are and how it shifts. So... There's a lot that goes into this. This summer, I guess recruiting's the only thing that can move the heat map in the summer. You know, up or down, depending on a three-star or a five-star, that mood's going to shift. That's how we are as Notre Dame fans. I'm including myself in that. I'm not saying I'm, I'm outside of that. I'm riding that wave too. But a lot's going to go into this once we get into the season and what it looks like week to week, how that changes. So right now, it's pretty, it's warm just because we want to see improvement. But even from the most negative fans, I hot seat, no. No, not at all. Not a real thing at, at this moment. Uh, and again, it, it's like, I don't know how bad this year could be. Like, if Notre Dame goes 
even eight and four, seven and five, that tells me every main guy you need to be healthy is injured again. That is the only way I see Notre Dame having four or five losses is if Hartman goes down and then like Joe Alt, Estime, Morrison, like pick the most important guys on the team and they're all dead. That's the only way I see it being that way. And even if they lost dumb games again this year, the recruiting's not going to be terrible. If you did that, it isn't going to be up in the top five like we want to. It's not going to be terrible. So you're not going to be able to pin terrible recruiting way worse than BK. It isn't going to be that. It isn't going to be that. Even if it's not elite, it's not going to be that. So you're not really going to have that to complain about. So I just don't see how bad it could be. And if you get down to four losses again, I think everybody's injured and we're all sad. Uh, I don't think it'll be because of Marcus being incompetent. I think it'll be practically all your best players are injured or something dumb like that. So uh, I see warm heat with the fans just because we want to see improvement year one to year two. I totally get that. I'm in that boat. He does have to get better. Okay, number three, the Notre Dame administration. These are the people where this discussion matters most. Why? They make all the decisions and hand out or don't hand out the money for all of this. So in a lot of ways, this group, the one most disconnected from all practical realities, the, the group that's most disconnected to the way you and I, Mr. and Mrs. regular Notre Dame fan, exist in the world. The group that runs in a social circle of nothing but global, global elites. There is nobody in this upper crust of Notre Dame decision makers that's a regular person. They all come for money. They made money. They have money. They swim in a different bowl. All right? This is the group that matters most, and they are the ones most disconnected from all of the modern realities we all live with. That's who this group is. It's about a dozen people that are millionaires or billionaires. They look at the world differently than us. They look at Notre Dame differently than us. They prioritize different things at Notre Dame than we would, and I know that for a fact. As far as heat coming from them, Absolutely not. It's a freezer. There is no heat at all. It is a freezer, an icebox. Number one is, it's year two. It's year two. Even if we had this discussion after year two, I would say it's been only two years. It makes no logical sense whatsoever to hire a head coach knowing he has no experience for one year and then you put heat on him. That makes zero logical sense other than unless you have an off-the-field scandal or you literally go like four and eight, three and nine. Like, that's just not on the table. Notre Dame has way too much raw talent for that to ever happen at this point. But it would make no sense for this group to hire a head coach with no experience and then put a bunch of heat on him after a year or two. Like, no, that makes no logical sense at all. Number two is this group actually likes Marcus Freeman. Unlike his predecessor, 
They like meeting with Freeman. They like working with Freeman. They like him as a guy. He gets Notre Dame. And they want to see that work. I mean, within their strict guardrails, they want to see it work. Like within their framework, they want to see him succeed, whatever that that means. Um, but unlike the guy before, they really like working with the guy. That that makes them want him to succeed, that he doesn't treat everybody like crap, that he's respectful, he's appreciative, he's genuine, he's thoughtful. He's considerate. He's a good communicator. That's the kind of stuff that matters dealing in that highfalutin circle of billionaires at that table, at the very top decision makers table at Notre Dame. So they want to work with the guy. That's a benefit. Okay. Here's the upsetting part of this. When you ask what's the heat level with the administration? Look at the garbage they have embraced and allowed for the last 25 to 30 years at Notre Dame and never even blinked. Why in the world now, out of nowhere, would the switch flip and for this group, football superiority is now the number one priority? What what impetus would there be that would make that all shift? that they openly embrace mediocrity for most of the last 25 years, but now overnight between year, year one and year two of Marcus, suddenly we have championship standards and he's not reaching them. This group has a laundry list of priorities for Notre Dame. And you got to scroll down really far before you get to being elite at football as being on the damn list. And it pisses me off every day. It pisses me off every day. Even if there became a point where there should be heat on Freeman in a few years or any other Notre Dame head coach, whenever the point is there should be, there's reasons for actual heat, this group would be the last ones on board to even recognize there's a fire. This group would be the last ones to notice and get on board. They got a lot of priorities, a lot higher than Notre Dame being elite of football. 10 and 2, 12 and 0, I don't think they see much of a difference. I don't. Their actions show it. Their actions show it. They do not do the things these other football schools do to put the, the program in position to be elite and stay elite. Resources, building a new building, you know, fighting, scratching, clawing to get a training table and to get our guys to eat right like have these are all battles that Notre Dame that coach has to fight that everywhere else it's just like yeah dude whatever you want tell us we'll write it up pay for it you got it Kelly's got air conditioned helmets for his guys at LSU like I'm just giving you an example Kelly literally got air conditioned helmets for LSU that they're using in practices and games Everyone has a self-contained AC unit to keep these guys cool. That ain't happening in Notre Dame. A new building? Freeman's fighting the same battles Kelly was. Oh, yeah, we'll look into it, but we don't have the, the, any donors that earmarked for that. So you got to wait. You don't have those issues other places. NIL, undergrad transfers, uh, uh, the grades, having more leeway. For, are you serious? 
This group can't have it both ways. Not let our guy go do what everybody else is doing and then hold him to just the same standard. How are you going to do that? And if you do, that's how you run coaches out of here. But people asking me, is there any heat at the administration level is almost funny because even if there ever was a time, it was literally warranted and there should be heat. They'd be the last ones to apply it or even recognize it. You guys, you're dealing with millionaires and billionaires sitting up there. It's This football thing is not the priority to them. It is to us. They love Marcus, and I think you go 9-3, 10-2, be fine with that forever. They will. They'll be fine with that forever. That's how these people think. Look at how they, they act. Look at what gets done and not done in the football program compared to other places. They've told you repeatedly through their actions it's not a top priority. It isn't going to be now overnight. So I think that's probably bad that this is the least group that's pulse would move one way or the other. But that's where we're at. That's the power structure at Notre Dame. Totally disconnected from people like you and me. They do not prioritize what we do. They prioritize academics, research grants, how they look on the worldwide stage for humanitarian. They they value a lot of stuff that's legitimately important. But you got to go way down the list to get to football. Uh, generating donor money for building 80 buildings, everything other than a football, want all of that. They value more than football. They've let you know with their actions. So there is zero heat from that group. And uh, I, I don't know what would it would take to get there to be heat, but they'd be the last ones on board with it. And that's not how it should be, but it's the reality here. It's the reality here. In most of these football factories, the, the head coach is the emperor. And if not, the head coach and the AD work together to get stuff done. And that's kind of where it ends. And the AD goes and gets the money and does what he decides. That's not how it is in Notre Dame. You have that layer that that Jack has to go to. Even if Jack wants something done, he's got to pitch it to that group. And they value things differently than all of us. And it's very, very frustrating. They sit up there all fancy and rich and overlook the reason that this degree means what it does. And Notre Dame means what it does in the world. And all the opportunities, how much the degree is worth, the re... None of that exists without football. And I feel daily like they take that for granted. And they were happy to use it to leverage it for what they want now. And now they're not giving it full attention. And that rubs me wrong every single day that I'm alive. That I feel like they do not support enough the main reason anybody cares about this school at all. Without football success on an elite scale, Notre Dame's nothing. It's a small private college near a lake in the middle of nowhere off a toll road in Indiana. It doesn't have any of the juice other except for because of football. And, and I don't feel like they respect that enough with their decision making to keep that legacy going while building everything else. So that's where I'm at. On my heat check. I want to know what you guys think. What did I get right? What did I get wrong? Let me know. We'll talk to you soon.